the background. That's our kids worshiping in the kids' side. Very exciting. All right, we're on week five of our series in the book of Nehemiah. And uh, part five is entitled, A Man of Great Influence. So week one, we looked at Nehemiah as a man of great prayer, and then a man of great action, a man of great vision. And Deirdre preached last week, a man of great endurance. And today, a man of great influence. Can you put up the pictures of all those famous people? Anyone know who these people are? Soccer players, music listeners. Who's the soccer player? Cristiano Ronaldo. Who's the next guy with the cool hair? I would love to have hair like that one day. It's like my dream hairstyle. Who's the guy in the bottom left corner? Will Smith. And, <laughs> and the lady in the top corner? You should know Kylie Jenner. She's, uh, these are influencers. If you look at the Instagram most number of followers, these people have hundreds of millions of followers hanging on their every post, okay? Let me read you a few others. Selena Gomez, Ariana Grande, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, Dwayne Johnson, Messi, Kendall Jenner, Billie Eilish, Kim Kardashian, Beyonce, Shakira, J-Lo, Barack Obama. If you're older like me, you haven't heard most of these names. That's okay, but the rest of the world is being influenced by these people. And what companies do with famous people like these and others is they pay them money to promote their products, or they give them stuff, merchandise, for them to like take a, a jar of peanut butter and eat it online, and you know, they show the label, so they eat peanut butter. If you like peanut butter, then you might be influenced to buy that peanut butter. So it's a clever way of marketing. Some of them are, they do positively influence the world. They talk about social justice. They talk about other good causes, the environment, saving planet Earth, climate change, etc. But we as the average ordinary person never get to meet them. We never get to interact with them. We don't see the real them. We see their digital presence, what they want to portray to the Earth. They're distant from us. Their impact remains largely digital and quite superficial, right? So what is the definition of influence? It's the capacity to have an effect on the character or development or behavior of someone, all right? The ability or the capacity to affect character, development, or behavior. Those famous people will probably influence our behavior in some way. We want to talk like them. My son has started talking with a bit of an American accent. Thank you, NBA in America. They might uh, influence how we dress. We want to dress like them. They might, um, we might end up buying the peanut butter they eat. I don't know. Nehemiah was a man who influenced people, not just for the short term in terms of their behavior, but also for the long term for their character and development. And he influenced people through relationship, through one-on-one -on -one conversations or having a discussion in a group and even at a national level, Nehemiah influenced his whole country. So, the quick overarching story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, he's in exile in Babylon. He is a servant to the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes. And his brother comes from Jerusalem, where some of the exiles have returned. And they say to, to, to Nehemiah, the city's in ruins, the gates are broken down, the wall's crumbling. Nehemiah is moved in his heart and he prays, he fasts, he mourns, he weeps, and he wrestles with God for four months. 
And then an opportune moment comes when he gets to talk to the king, his boss. And the king says, why are you so sad? And he says, well, how can I be happy when the city of my forefathers lies in ruins? God gives him favor. The king allows him to go back to Jerusalem and actually gives him supplies to help him rebuild the wall and parts of the city. And he goes down to Jerusalem and he inspects, he walks around, or actually he goes on a donkey all the way around the city and he sees the disrepair of the walls. He gathers some of the leaders, he talks to them and he, he influences them. He, they, they buy in to this idea that rebuilding the wall is the right thing to do. And unlike our current day influences, he didn't flip-flop, he didn't change his tune when others try to distract them. In fact, he wasn't influenced by those who were opposing him. We read last week about guys like Sanballat and Tobias and Gershom. He later on, Nehemiah, later on influences the nobles in the city who were greedy. They were extorting and charging excessive interest to their own countrymen. He gets them to change their tune. He helps with, with the priest Ezra to lead a kind of revival where thousands of Jews confess their sin. They turn back to God. They start worshiping and following his ways, and the whole nation is impacted. Nehemiah was a man of great influence, and uh, some of what he has done is inspiring us today. And so this morning, I want to look at some key traits, some important characteristics of what it means to be an influencer from Nehemiah. And my first point is this, is that we need to realize and recognize the call. Nehemiah realized that God had called him to rebuild the city wall, that God had called him to lead the nation at that time. And this might be a new concept for some of us today, but God has a call for every one of us. God has a calling on every one of our lives. You and I might not be called like Nehemiah to something of a national kind of calling. Very few people are, in fact. But the Bible does say that every one of us has a calling. And the Bible, it's like a thread that runs throughout Scripture. Let me just uh, jog through a couple of them. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, we note, Well, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. That's God saying every one of you has a call. Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says, run with perseverance the race that's marked out for you. He's using a picture, a metaphor that our life, our calling is like a long distance race that God has marked out. Friends, have we heard the starting gun? Are we actually running on this race? Are we plowing through the distractions and the difficulties to make sure we cross the line one day? We don't give up early. God has marked out a race. That's one way the Bible describes the calling that he has for us. The book of Philippians, I think it's chapter four, Paul says, forgetting what is behind and pressing on to what is ahead, I lean into God to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. That's amazing. He says, I don't, I don't get distracted by what's happened, my choices or what happened to me in the past, but actually I'm, I'm leaning forward into what God has because he's taken hold of me for something. Friends, do you know that Christ has taken hold of you? The hand of God is on every one of our lives. And I think for most of us, we don't even realize it. 
means do you know that God's hand right now is on your life? Are we leaning into God? We're not just spectating from the back row, but are we leaning in as Paul did to take hold of that calling that he's called us with? Acts chapter 17, Paul says that God has determined the exact time and place where we should live. You know the address that you stay at? You're gonna go home after this meeting. God knew exactly where you're going to stay. And he knew that you're going to be born in whatever year you're born in, not 200 years ago, where there was no hot water or no cell phone reception, or we have it easy in some ways, right, modern society. But God has determined that. Why? Nothing in our lives is by chance. Nothing in our lives is by chance. Many of us are not sure what God has called us to. We kind of go through life wondering or worrying, am I fulfilling God's call? Am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing this or that? But let me tell you a little secret. The call of God, the purpose of God is not a complicated thing. All right? For Nehemiah, it was rebuild the wall. If you go and read the book of Nehemiah, you'll see he did all kinds of other things that happened on the journey of rebuilding the wall. For you and I, friends, God's purpose is not complicated. And it's, it's such an important thing to settle that we called, that we have a purpose. That's why we're doing a whole six-week series on purpose, about our purpose. Because if we don't realize, we're going to wander through life worrying, God, am I even on the right track here? God doesn't want us to live like that. He honestly doesn't. So we're doing a, a church-wide series and looking at this thing of our purpose from three different angles over six weeks. So there'll be six Sunday messages on different topics around our purpose here, Sunday the 14th starting. Then in our life groups midweek, which are either on Zoom or in person, there is a video that's like a primer to help us discuss our opinions, our ideas, our thoughts, our own experiences about that topic. And there is a six-week devotional booklet that we're giving out on the 14th that every day we can chew on something and self-reflect. Why has God put me on planet Earth? It's gonna be an amazing time. Can I say, if you are not in a life group, you're gonna miss out with that content. There's a sheet at the back, a clipboard, Please put your name down if you want to join one of the life groups. Put your name, your phone number, what suburb you live in, and then what night that you can make a life group. Choose the night, Wednesday or on Zoom. And we are going to try and find the group closest to you or that fits your kind of profile uh, in terms of if you have young kids, you might fit into this group better or, or whatever. But, but let's run at this thing because if we don't understand our call, friends, Life is going to be like a quagmire. It's going to be unpleasant as we try and follow God, but not knowing what He's called us to. The second point about influences, key characteristic, is that they take the opportunities. You read in the book of Nehemiah over and over again, when the time is right, Nehemiah did something. He spoke to the king. He spoke to the nobles, he spoke to the leaders, he actioned putting defenses in place. He took the opportunities when they arose. I've mentioned many of them already. 
sometimes an influencer is, they've got like a formal leadership position. You might be a manager at the company you work at or a team leader or a supervisor. You're in a position of formal influence, to put it like that. You might be the captain of your social soccer team or you might be that person who's, you're just so well connected, you know lots of people, you're, you're the, the, the life of the party, you've got some influence, but you don't need to have any formal position in order to influence people. Because influence happens the best way through relationship. The first relationship that I have is with my spouse, with Candace. We've been married for 13 and a half years. And before we were married, the only cheese I ate was cheddar. She is of French descent. Within a year of marriage, of being married, I was eating camembert and Stilton and blue cheese and loving it. I had hated it before. There was an influence. She rubbed off on me. And in fact, I was thinking about this last night. Uh, when we, in the first year of our marriage, we lived in KZN. I was still at university, so budget was like non-existent. But our date night used to be a Friday night. We used to walk down to the DVD hire shop. Remember when you used to hire DVDs? Like in the olden days, you know? <laughs> Some people don't know what DVDs are. Good points. Anyway, go Google it. We used to go and hire a DVD and buy a slab of chocolate. That was our date night. But within like nine months, it was like hire a DVD, buy camembert and bread. <laughs> like there was influence that happened just because of relationship. And now I love it. It's been really good for my exploring of different kind of things. But we can influence our spouse. We can influence our, um, our family, our parents or our in-laws. My parents never went to church. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I became a Christian halfway through university, started following Jesus. We got married, and at the end of the first year of our marriage, we invited my parents to an outreach that our church was doing at that time in KZN. And they came to faith on this course in their late 50s because of, obviously, God at work, but because there was an influence in the family. We're still waiting for Candace's parents to get the memo to become Christians, but uh, we keep praying. We can impact our kids massively. It's why we're doing this parenting course. You can influence your colleagues at work, your neighbor in the street, the people in your life group, anyone that you interact with. You can influence them. And often, how we interact with them can determine what that influence looks like. Let me give you some really um, simple examples. So a few weeks ago, Candice and I had the rare opportunity of handing our kids over to some friends and going to the cinema for the old people, the bioscope. And uh, we watched a movie, just the two of us, and we watched Top Gun Maverick, the new Top Gun movie. Man, what a good movie. And I've told lots of people since then, like maybe because we haven't been to a movie in years, and like surrounds, grounded, and, but like it had Tom Cruise in it and he does his own stunts. And the storyline was amazing and there were plot twists and like some throwbacks to like the original Top Gun and it, we came out of that movie feeling pumped because the cinematography was amazing, like these jets and like it was just such a good movie. And everyone I've spoken to as I've described, maybe some of you are wondering, oh, should I go watch Tom Cruise again? Maybe that swung your vote. Why? How I've shared that genuinely with passion and conviction, that's how influence comes. Let me give some other examples, some of which are maybe a bit silly. If I had to say to you that chocolates are tasty, 
you might know this, but that's not going to inspire you to go out and buy something. But if I say to you, have you eaten a five-star? Has anyone here not eaten a five-star? Because I want to talk to you this morning. If you've not had a five-star, please put up your hand. We're not going to shame you. Just be honest. We're in church. You can't lie. Okay. Some not too sure people, right? Vasen. If you... <laughs> Yo, you are so shallow. But at least you're honest, eh? At least you're honest. You know, do you remember Tempo. This is like the upgrade of tempo. The only thing wrong, oh, shake your head. Ah. The, the one problem with tempo was that the caramel stuff was too hard and old people used to lose their fillings. This is softer. I promise you, when you bite a five star, your eyes close, you drift into dreamland, like this daydream. The chocolate is smooth and rich. The biscuits are crispy. The caramel's not too hard. This will change your life. <laughs> you want? Okay, exactly. This is my point, right? It depends how you share it. Another example. If I, to, if I to tell you, parents, it's important for parents to get parenting tips. You'll walk away not being influenced at all. But if I to tell you that parenting is such an incredible responsibility, we are raising the next generation of leaders, of scientists, of doctors, of teachers, of people who will discover cures for diseases, of people who will do great things for God. We are raising that generation. And we need help because they face stuff that none of us ever did. I got my first cell phone at university. I never faced the things that our kids faced growing up. Gender fluidity, we never faced that. Social degeneration, we never faced that. How are we going to raise our kids that they can go into adulthood without a limp, without a scar, having all kinds of hang-ups about what they've gone through? Friends, we need help, honestly. That's why this church is running a parenting course, to help us, help us with some of those things. And I'm inviting you, if you know anyone who's a parent, you need to take some flies and give it to them because how are they going to navigate those things unless we have some kind of help. Amen? Last example on this one. Imagine uh, someone said to you this, you should come and check out our church. Yeah, doesn't inspire me to come here. But what if you said it like this? We have the coolest church. We're about to start this epic series discovering why you're here. Do you know why you breathe every day? Why you go to that job or that university or you're in that family? Do you know your purpose? No, I don't. Well, our church is so cool. We are doing a six-week course, but I don't go to church. Yeah, but just come for six weeks and also come to Life Group too. <laughs> what is that? Coffee. <laughs> Do you think that'll inspire people to come to church? If it's free, maybe, maybe. Check out this cool video. We can forward you that, that invitation video. You know what got my parents coming to church before they came to faith? The course we were doing was in, the, was in the evenings with them, and they were like, kind of, oh, we don't want to come. We said to them, okay, we know you like wine. We'll, every week, one of us will bring a different bottle of wine. We can have like a wine tasting over this 10-week course, right? Now, the church we were going to at the time was very conservative, so we were like kind of sneak under the radar a bit. 
My parents said, okay, that's a date. You bring the first week. You might want to say to your friends, I know you don't come to church, but you know what? I will take you to lunch every Sunday if you come for six weeks. It might sound really silly, but how are we going to influence people to hear God's word and to meet with Jesus? Do whatever you need to, as shallow as food might sound, to convince them to come. We have incredible opportunities. And I'd like to throw out a challenge. So far, I've invited five colleagues to come on the parenting course. Two have signed up already, okay? I've invited my boss and his wife to come to the Purpose Series. Anyone can beat me by the time two weeks comes. Beat me in terms of number of invites. I will take you to lunch. Give us the five star. A box of five stars. This is not enough. But I challenge you, try and beat me. You can't invite people in the church, okay? You can't just like spam like forward, uh, what do you call those, a uh, broadcast group. You've got to like talk to the human in person, and then you can send the WhatsApp invite. Deal. Lunch is riding on it. <laughs> Third key trait of influencers. They've got their eyes on the prize. Nehemiah, he didn't waver from his calling. No matter what happened, he kept going. And you look at all the interactions he had, he changed how he approached the situation. Depending on what was needed at that time, his style changed or his method changed. He was flexible, but he didn't deviate from his calling. And being able to focus, in other words, being single-minded and being flexible is a key characteristic for success in any part of life. Nehemiah had his eyes on the prize. So what is our prize? What do we want to fix our eyes on and never take them off? Jesus and what he's called us to. Our motto as a church, and it's not our own phrasing, we want to know Christ and make him known. That's it. We want to know Jesus, our eyes fixed on him, and make him known. Tell other people about a God who loves them, a God who's not angry, a God who's taken away their sin because Jesus died on the cross. We want to make him known. And as the church, as God's people, we have the greatest commission to make disciples of all nations by preaching the gospel. That people like my parents can come to faith can come to know Him, can be made whole, can be healed, can be restored, can have a purpose. That's why we're here. That's ours on the prize. And the church is one of the ways that happens. The goal is not church. Church is the vehicle. It's through the church that God's wisdom is made known to mankind. Making disciples is the goal preaching the gospel, the church and planting churches all over the world, that's just how it happens. And so our aim at Hope City Church is not to fill this church with people, it's to fill people with God. Candice read Joel chapter two, God fills us with the Spirit. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Our aim is to fill all of you with the love of God, the Word of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God, the grace of God, and send you out into the workplace, into your families, into your streets. The church is not a waiting room for heaven. You're not hanging on here so that one day Jesus will come and we'll go to heaven. The church is an army being equipped, being trained, 
and sent out to advance the kingdom, to take ground from the enemy and plunder hell. Friends, let's not lose sight of why we're here. We are here to reach the lost. And we get to have coffee and we get to have fun together and do life together in life groups. And that's part of the journey of being of the body of Christ. But let's be like Nehemiah, eyes on the prize, Christ and what he's called us to. And we've got to be flexible. We've got to change our approach. Why are we doing a parenting course? Because single people are not going to come to a parenting course. But they might invite their friends to purpose. It's why we have outreach on the street and care ministry and all kinds of things. Because we, we change how we reach people to reach as many as we can. Last point this morning, a key trait of an influencer that God's called all of us to is to refuel at the source. Nehemiah knew that God was the source. You go and read how many times Nehemiah prayed. Often something terrible would happen. His first response is to go and pray and seek God. There was a four-month gap before he, uh, between when he heard about Jerusalem's state and when he got a chance to chat to the king. He was praying and seeking God. God was his source. It's no different for us Jesus has to be our source. He has to be. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not go hungry. I am the living water. If you drink from my well, you'll have eternal life. I am the good shepherd. I can lead you beside quiet waters and restore your soul. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Friends, Christ must be our source. And we have to refuel to him, refuel from him. I've been reading the book of Acts in my devotions, and in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple. They're on their way to a prayer meeting, and they pass by the gate called Beautiful, which probably would have been rebuilt by Nehemiah, incidentally. And uh, they see a, a crippled man begging who's been there for years. And they suddenly feel led to talk to him and they pray with him and he gets healed. He starts standing up and jumping and they go into the temple courts. This guy's going ballistic. He hasn't walked for decades. He's now praising God, shouting at the top of his voice. A crowd gathers round. Peter and John preach the gospel to this crowd. They can see the miracle. They know the guy who's been on a mat on the floor begging for years. This guy's been healed. Something dramatic has happened. God has touched this man. There's a commotion. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish authorities hear about this. And in Acts chapter four, they call Peter and John in, kind of like a tribunal, because they're in trouble for healing a man. I mean, it just sounds ridiculous, right? But they question, by whose power are you doing these things? Not because they want to find out, because they want to get them in trouble. And Peter answers persuasively, and it says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says this, when they, the Sanhedrin, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That amazing scripture. Who here is from a royal family? 
Like, honestly, there's royalty in your bloodline or nobility. Your aunt was an, not an earl, your uncle was an earl, or your aunt was a countess or something, or anyone here from a royal family, somewhere in your background? No. So do you agree that all of us are ordinary people? Peter and John, ordinary men. When they realized that they were ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Friends, when we have been with Jesus, he refuels us. When we spend time with Jesus, he rubs off on us. We become more like him. In fact, the best version of ourselves happens when we've been with Jesus. And Peter and John in that moment needed courage and boldness. And the Jewish leaders were astonished that they had courage and boldness. And they realized where it came from. These men had been with Jesus. Friends, Peter writes, he says, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. God's given us everything we need, not in a silver platter, not delivered by the take-a-lot man at your doorstep. God's given us everything we need, everything we need for life and godliness. How? Through our knowledge of Him, through our relationship with Jesus. Does anyone here need courage for something happening this week? You've got a big meeting at work. You've got some giant that you're facing. Who needs courage for this coming week? I know, I do. How do you get it? Spend time with Jesus. There's no shortcut to getting everything you need for life and godliness. There's no six easy steps to whatever. It's relationship with God, being refueled by Jesus. Can we stand? I want to pray for us as we're ending. Can we close our eyes? You might want to raise your hands if you feel comfortable. You're welcome to kneel if you'd like. Lord Jesus, we are amazed that you would call ordinary men and women like us. And yet, Father, it's clear in your word that you do. Lord, help us if we don't know our purpose to to find it. Maybe the next six weeks will help us get there. But Lord, I pray we would not go around wondering or worrying, why on earth am I here? Father, help us to influence other people, either for the parenting course or for the purpose series, whatever it might be, Lord. Help us to to bring people along because you've called us to change the lives of others because of what you've done in us. And Father, I pray that we would be those who are quick to take the opportunity, like Nehemiah was, to, to see it and to take it. We might need courage and boldness, Lord God. But I pray, like Peter and, and John, it will be said of us that others were astonished and they took note that we have been with Jesus. God, I pray the most important thing is that we would be with Jesus. I pray now, Father, would you Fill us with your spirit. It, it, it messes with our minds to think that the infinite God, the eternal God would dwell in us. But Paul said it amazingly, the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
And so I pray, Jesus, that we would be aware of your presence, aware of your spirit. Speak to us, Lord God, lead us. Show us who we are to influence and bring along on this journey of of following you, this race that's been marked out before time began. Thank you, Father, that you have called us with an everlasting love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Candice is going to say something in a moment. Um, But thanks for joining us today. If you need to join a life group, please put your name down. If you like, if you can't make it out of your home, but you've got like three friends that you would like to do this course with, we will train you or send a leader to your home.